What's going on people? It's your boy Izzy and welcome back to another episode of Speak Your Truth. We are back again on a consistent basis, yes, consistent basis uh, with a very special episode. We have another recurring guest, her second ever episode um, in terms of podcasting and her second appearance here on Speak Your Truth. So without further ado, Rosemary, welcome back. Hi, Izzy. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Yeah, so it's so good to have you back. How, how, how have you been? It's been, um, I would say it's been like nine months since we did our yeah, first one. Yeah, about that, isn't it? It feels like longer, actually. It does. It was longer. But yeah, no, good. Yeah, all good. Are you still the same person or do you think... I don't know. It's a good question. <laughs> do you think a lot has changed in your life in nine months or do you um, think you still have the same ideals, the same values, where you are right I'm now? I'm probably like the same but different like anyone else. I feel like I'm essentially the same but there's bits in life that have moved on or shifted um, what would you say yeah. is one positive difference that you've seen in yourself? Oh, um, positive difference. I, I would say at the moment, I feel like in the, this year, I've got a better balance of things. I think last year, everything felt like it was so busy all the time. Everything was stretching me. I didn't really have any time off. Now I feel like everything's in a better equilibrium. I'm managing yeah. all the different elements of my life better at this point I can yeah. say that for right now I can't say what it will be like in a month or so but I don't feel too overwhelmed and busy right mm. now I feel like it's somehow it's working I'm not quite sure how yeah no I am um, I'm actually with you on that I think I think I'm in a place where I'm not minding the busyness so yeah, far. So yeah. I'm, I'm still finding joy in the busyness. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then also, I, th- I feel as though it being a summer period is also helping. I think it was a very cold winter, a lot of going on. Maybe that's on. it, yeah, yeah. Somehow I feel feel like things are in a good... Yeah, I can't complain. If anyone's asking what's going on, I'm like, oh, well, nothing much to report, actually. <laughs> yeah, I feel like it's all... Yeah, it's all, all right. Cool, well, look, good. speaking of what's going on, um, there's a lot going on in our culture. Yeah, um, yeah. Both Christian and, and non-Christian yes. culture. Um, for, for, for those of you who may not know, this podcast is about bridging that gap between Christianity and culture. Because I've noticed, especially when I take a uh, perspective outside of myself, that there is so much going on in today's culture that we're just not addressing. It feels as though, particularly in, in, in the church community and, and in the Christian community, it's like we see things happening that are quite, I don't know, either controversial or very emotional, but rather than address it, we skirt around it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like there's a bit of a taboo with, with certain subjects. And with yourself, the state of current events right now, how, how are you feeling? Do you feel as though we are actually talking about it enough and I'm just overreacting? Or do you, do you think that we need to start normalising these conversations? Um, so I think there's a real difference in how Christian culture might treat a topic versus outside of church culture, definitely. I, I, I feel, so I've been in church my whole life, I've been Christian my whole life, so I, 
I feel like I'm, I, it's not, I'm not overly criticising it, but I can see where some conversations are just quite free and easy outside of church. And, and that can be really problematic when something goes wrong. I feel mm. like often uh, within a Christian atmosphere, it can be harder to name that sort of thing and to know what to do about it. Mm. There's, there's a thing, I suppose it, it happens in church, but it's been named a bit more on social media, this idea about toxic positivity. Okay. And the idea has come out of, I suppose, with the way Instagram has taken off so much and the way people put lots of images up that are overwhelmingly positive, you know, living my best life, that type of thing, filters, all of that. And so some people are querying that, saying actually that's a toxic level of being positive because it's it's not genuine. Yeah. There's actually quite a lot of hardship behind those very, uh, you know, perfect images. Yeah. And that can give this quite misleading idea about where we should all be in our lives. So and so that I feel there can be some of that in church culture as well mm-hmm, uh, particularly mm-hmm. where there is a narrative of uh, redemption which is which is wonderful like obviously that's our faith that's salvation you want to think that good things are going to happen yeah. but where is the space for the things that are quite difficult in life right. where are the where's the space for things that are difficult in our faith as well mm. I think that there's often ups and downs in all of our journeys mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, is there space to be honest about that that's the question right is yeah. there actually space because I think sometimes the the the, the, the faith movement um church we kind of make it as though Culture is so taboo that we don't want anything to do with culture to be to leak into our church affairs. When I would argue that culture is probably more honest about how they live their life, what they're going through, than the church can be, mm. and that should not be the no, case, no. you know. So, so I, I think to your question, like, are we creating a space where people can be their authentic self mm. and also their honest self? What do you think? Yes and no. I, I, I feel when there's genuine friendships and connections, often that takes time to build and grow. Yes, that can happen. Uh, and that would definitely be my experience uh, within Christian community, that, that there's room for that reality and honesty. I'm not sure if that is across the board and across mm. all topics. Mm. I think there are certain things that Christians find really difficult to talk about in a community setting. So mm-hmm. outside of maybe very private one-to-ones or friends you've known for years, family even, there isn't always room for like like nuance, like the things that are less black and white. Yeah. The working out. So you, uh, you might all be on the same page about what scripture says and what the way forward is, but then what about the the nuts and bolts of particular situations that, yeah, that type of thing the grey area yeah, yeah yeah and it's like even if there is a grey area how are we battling through that together yeah or are we yeah. just to expect that one person has to sort it out for themselves and then kind of leave it there yeah do you know what I'm saying yeah and and where there could be a range of views perhaps that's why we're reluctant to have the conversation because even amongst Christians there can be a variety of opinions on controversial topics and we don't all think exactly the same yeah. when we're not talking about say basics of doctrine maybe we're talking about something a little bit on the edges of that there, there are there are different opinions sometimes and, and not full agreement and maybe that makes it harder for us to talk maybe we're frightened of, of of reaching a conflict i agree and i also think there's an element of because you're a christian because you're in a church you're expected to have to have the answer for everything and i, and I think there is this yeah, kind of yeah. perfectionism interesting um fallacy almost attached with being a christian with being in the church and i think that's the 
that's the image that I think we should remove. Like, we are all imperfect, broken people. The only thing mm. that really gets us together is what Jesus did on that cross. So then the question becomes, okay, cool. I, I recognize that I am not the perfect person. I need to be comfortable saying to people, look, I don't actually know mm. the answer to that question. Mm. Or I don't actually have too much of an opinion about that specific mm-hmm. topic. Yeah. You know, um, do, do you, have you also sensed that maybe, that there is this perfectionism uh, idea attached with going to church and being in, in, in a Christian circle? Um, I'm not sure. I would say I see it more as a silence. I feel like there are massive things that feel very everyday and ordinary that aren't part of the conversation for Christians. So not so much that there's an expectation to be perfect. Maybe that is there. Maybe that's uh, something I'm not quite tapped into but certainly more uh, okay why aren't we talking about something that's very obvious that we could be talking about so what where's that in your life or um I, I can think of lots of examples so things like relationships mm. and uh all the all the kind of nuances and gray areas that are there mm. um i suppose kind of the thing that comes to mind the more recent example around safeguarding mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the situation at soul survivor with mike pilavachi mm-hmm, it feels like mm-hmm. there's been a massive silence in churches around that mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. which feels really shocking and, and weird and confused to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I think as well, that's where we have to take a step back in terms of putting the church, and by church I'm talking about the building and the leadership on this pedal stone uh, for them being the almighty, um, but rather seeing the church as the body, which is mm. us as individuals. So... I think there needs to there needs to stop being a reliance on leadership to kind mm-hmm. of provide us with those answers, and I think we need to start stepping up. I think we need to start talking about these topics, mm-hmm. and so I'm glad that we're actually doing this because, as you rightly said, there is something that has happened back in mm-hmm. April. Um, Mike Pilavachi, for those who don't know, was uh, one of the co-founders of Soul Survivor, mm-hmm. which was a massive faith movement, um, and back in April, Mike Pilavachi took a step back mm-hmm. uh, due mm-hmm. to safeguarding concerns yeah. following a lot of allegations um, and that was obviously a massive thing right because a yes. lot of people looked up to him yes. you know he had massive influence so when this incident happened there was a bit of silence from people people yes. didn't want to really, really want to talk about it so mm-hmm. I think that we should open this up and, and kind of dissect a little bit so did, did, did you have any thoughts on, on what happened to you? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'd say it's more than a bit of a silence. It's a lot of a silence. I would say um, an unacceptable level of silence. It was it was quite kind of neutral and muted, the way the messages were put online. So the way churches have just... Well, actually, churches haven't described it, but say you look, if you look at the Soul Survivor website, the way that they've formed their statements. And, and it's interesting because he stepped back and then quite a bit of time afterwards he was suspended. So to me, that feels like something procedural has gone wrong. It wasn't clear. So when he was finally suspended, they apologised and they said, well, we should have taken this more decisive action sooner. Mm. Mm. Um it feels like they're wanting us to think that they're investigating it thoroughly before they can make a statement. I, I strongly disagree with that. I don't think they're investigating it well at all. Oh, wow. So 
the the calls that they're putting out and other church leaders who have spoken not very many church leaders have spoken about it but where they have they're signposting to the uh, national safeguarding team quote quote unquote national yeah. safeguarding team so uh, that that's misleading in itself because it, what they should say is church of england national safeguarding team so sure. that's not outside of the church of england it's not unbiased in fact it's very very much biased mm. and, and if you think the context in the church of england is that they have been many safeguarding scandals really bad yeah. abuse cases uh, things that have gone catastrophically wrong and people that have been very badly damaged so um if that's our context we're really not in a position to be carrying out an investigation on our own mm. so um i disagree with that for certain i don't think people will be aware of um kind of um how the national safeguarding team works so essentially it is a church of england team yeah they set up i don't i don't know quite how long ago it was maybe a year or so ago a different body um uh, to to hold it to account like an independent safeguarding board mm-hmm. which was meant to be external but that has had so many problems with it they've had someone resign within it apparently they um uh, you know, didn't have access to the data they needed. There wasn't uh, a, a, a good amount of collaborating, so they could do their job of mm. being an independent uh, safeguarding board. Uh, they've um, reported quite a lot of hostility from the Church of England around trying to to uh, to carry that out. A lack of transparency, um, and I, I believe more recently that so the independent um, safeguarding board have said they're going to extract themselves from the Church of England structures. Um, so I don't know what will happen. Watch this space, but it, I mean, it doesn't look very good. And not to mention how much money gets spent on on these, you know, so called investigations. And what what's the output of that? Is is there justice? Has anything really been investigated? And the other thing that was out more recently, and I saw this more in sort of Christian media. I think it was in Church Times. They appointed an acting chair for the Independent Safeguarding Board. Uh, who already holds several positions in the Church of England, so it's not independent at all. Mm. Essentially, it's a very kind of incestuous culture of leaders in a very small world who all know each other. So if you're looking to investigate someone as high-profile as Mike Pilavarchi, you're not going to find anyone in the Church of England who hasn't heard of him or hasn't uh, been in a space that's... Uh, been influenced by him Uh, the the kind of charismatic evangelical world is very small in that sense yeah no that's that's wow that's very interesting very educational as well and it it just gets me thinking the fact that you know you don't want to you don't want to trend um so you don't want to tread on the space of gossiping right because that's not what we want to do we we want to tread carefully but at the same time if we disagree with how something is being conducted mm. where is that space yes, for yeah. us to you know voice our opinions to voice our concerns and i i, I think that's where the issue lies right because we talk yes. about unity but it's not very unifying for only a select member of people to be involved in this i don't know Yes, I don't care about unity, I care about safety, I'll be honest, I don't think what's happening is right, and I think it does need to be investigated properly, Um, I find the reports really alarming, Um, you know, he was doing massages on teenagers, he was a man in his 40s, these are interns, 
he was in a position of leadership in the church. So um, I know some people will argue that that needs to be properly investigated. Do we know that's true? Obviously, these are allegations. Yeah. But um, t- to my eye, it feels like there's credible evidence. There, there seem to be um, a number of reports. And there's also people who have worked at Soul Survivor who are adding to the credible evidence. So they're saying things about the power dynamics, the power abuses, the... The, the way that Mike Pilavachi was able to conduct himself in a church space and the hurt and pain that that caused. So it, it feels like there are a number of witnesses and their accounts are online. Yeah. So it's interesting, it's, it, it raises the, the question about you know what we consider to be testimony. So if you think in a church context, uh, we, 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 we're big into testimony, aren't yeah. we? We like hearing yeah, the stories. Yeah, yeah. We don't interrogate those stories, do we? No. These you know, eyewitness accounts, if you like. Church is quite big on that. And, yeah. and so we, we love it when it's quite, quite positive. And actually, some things that people testify about are quite uh, wild. You yeah. know, they'll say things about being healed of certain things. Nobody yeah. interrogates that. Because yeah. it's like we a happy... It. We just believe it. It's a happy story. But then when people are at, a, at the same level of evidence, and that is just words, mm-hmm. are bringing accounts of things that are a bit... Uh, less positive yeah, yeah we're suddenly like oh well no, we need to investigate that yeah, more. yeah. And, and i and i agree with that i agree that um we we probably need to have a safeguarding culture where uh, everyone is protected and heard so we hear all sides of the story yeah uh, we don't want to create a culture where false allegations can just run wild but that does mean we have to have a proper investigation not carried out by the people who were too involved in it to to not be biased. Wow, yeah, it's 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 tricky one, isn't it? It's, it's, it's a very tricky one because the, these are elders as well of the church that are um, maybe not speaking up, and f- from f- for me anyway, when I when I look at an elder, I, I'm looking at okay, how can I learn from from this person, and if the church congregation feels a certain type of way about a certain topic, but they're not seeing the leadership talk about it or they're not seeing leadership comment on it at a very, you know, soon period. Is it then up to us to kind of step up and do the talking for them? Or, you know, should we also have, should we also hold church leadership accountable for being silent? You know, where does, where is the line in terms of, being silent is now kind of a bad thing mm, you know like mm. what, what what can we do to kind of yes, solve that yeah so on the soul survivor website when they first made the announcement been a couple of months ago i think i saw it where they they wrote about not using social media to not speculate to, you know what you said about gossip I, yeah. think they, I think they might have said the word gossip i might be wrong on that um i disagree actually i think there's a lot of power in social media so to be quiet almost gives more power to Mike Pilavachi really like who are we protecting and who are we helping here Mm. in the silence um if there are people who have been hurt and there are a number of accounts people are blogging about their experiences of working working with him uh where is the space for their stories it would it would seem to me social media is the place where people can have their voices heard in the absence of a, of a, of a real investigation if this were being handled properly then we could have faith in the process but i don't have any faith in the process that's currently happening and I, I think a large number of people are also of, of that view. And, and certainly the people who have made the allegations about the inappropriate massages, mm. they've put a statement out through their lawyer saying that, uh, I think the phrase they've used is uh, that, you know, they don't trust the Church of England to mark their own homework. 
So if that's their statement, their their legal statements, that's through their lawyer. I I would I would agree with that. Actually, I I would say we do need something external. External, not external to the church. Yeah, yeah. So, so for those of us who don't work in the church, if we're in any other field, um, we, we understand that. So, where where you do your work and then it's audited, that yeah. audit is from someone outside of your department. Yeah. So we we understand that as a principle. If something's gone wrong, you're not the one to um, judge that. People mm. understand that, mm. um, and I don't think that, that that should be different in the church. That's safe. That's safeguarding. That's actually quite basic safeguarding. No, and, and something else that is interesting about this whole thing is, you know, we want to be a church that influences culture rather than culture influencing our church, right? So if from the outside looking in, if you're, if you're in culture and you look at the way that the church is conducting this situation, if we were to see that happening in culture, we would probably take a stand, right? We'd be like, yeah, oh, why are people yeah. being silent about this? Yeah. Like, we need people to step up. We need to get justice etc but when it's happening in the church it doesn't seem like we are emulating what we are preaching mm-hmm. maybe i don't know how yeah. you, how you feel and, about and if that. you think like in the culture with the me too movement with black lives matter yeah. there's been a lot recently where people are fighting for rights are fighting yeah. for their voices to be heard yeah. uh, where people have experienced power abuses um so if even you know the case of harvey weinstein where people have questioned okay what has allowed such power abuses yeah. to take place yeah. and um perpetrators have been enabled by people who have stayed silent who have chosen to look the other way people knew what was mm. happening and um, it, you know if we're being cynical that that's likely to have happened in a church context uh, he, he uh, Mike Pilavachi has been in leadership for, I don't know over 20 years yeah. um, people must have known if, if these accounts are true they mm-hmm. must have been known so so it's a failure of leadership either way either you knew about it and you didn't know you didn't take action that's a failure of leadership or you didn't know about it well how little do you know about what's going on under your own roof then that's a failure of leadership yeah, and and I think it's 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 the time we're in where a lot of that is now coming to light everywhere. So I, I think it was was it Dominic Raab, the MP, who had to resign or, or was fired about bullying. There's a lot happening in culture at the moment where we we might have tolerated a certain way of leadership up until now, but people are saying no, no more. We yeah. are we are having our voices heard about bullying, and we aren't going to tolerate it. So if that's happening outside of the church, what 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 does that mean for what's happening in the church? Yeah, yeah. No, I think I think these are good questions, and then kind of adding on to that, you, you have to ask yourself, right? Is it the fact that the church is trying to portray this happy, clappy culture um, that it doesn't want to talk about the actual realities of life, that it doesn't want to talk about what is actually going on? I mean, how 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 do you kind of rectify between what the church is trying to push versus what is actually happening? Yeah, yeah, I, I do think that. So I think that the people who um, have kind of authority and power and voice in the church will want to kind of maintain that as a status quo, that everything's fine, nothing to see here. Um there's been a number of things online about the PR that's being used. Um, so Soul Survivor have employed some PR to kind of 
kind of manage what do they call it like a crisis Mm -hmm. communications crisis and Mm -hmm. uh, it's a there's a christian company that um there's a safeguarding charity that's christian that are promoting this christian pr company so i think there's a push for churches to get their images right around safeguarding i just think that's awful i think Mm. that's uh uh hideous um it's it, it kind of says something about caring a lot about image and about brand really essentially trying not to harm the brand that we're we're going for PR speak and you can see the PR speak in the statements that the very few people that have made statements so that would be you know people like Matt Redman and Tim Hughes so they are musicians who have come out of the soul survivor movement and mm-hmm. and even um, Justin Welby made a statement very similar sounding statements obviously um, written with a PR consultant so they they make quite superficial reference to the pain of the victims uh, but they're not actually saying anything in terms of concrete actions. Mm. Um, and if, if you genuinely are making a reference to the pain of the victims, you should listen to what the victims are saying. And a- actually, they've put a legal statement out saying they want an external investigation. So if you, if you really care, let's let's listen to that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So so I, I think what, what, what I'm getting to here is there's a lot going on. But what what is God doing? You know, what? Mm. What, what, what is God doing in the background? What are people sensing God is potentially using this situation for? Is God in this? You know, what, what are your opinions about what God is doing in this whole chaotic, crazy situation? It's really hard to, to sort of see it clearly. I feel very shocked by the news that, that it's happened. I also feel quite shocked by the way it's being handled. I feel like, um, so I've talked to like people in my life, people in our church about it, and, and obviously people have seen it in the news, but it doesn't feel like it's a very mainstream conversation. I'm only having it with people I, I know and I trust. So um, it's it's kind of what's happened and then the way it's being handled. And so spiritually, yeah, what does that mean? Is that a state of confusion? Is that a sense of, of anger that's rising? What, what is happening? Um, safeguarding isn't like a fringe issue either. Like yeah. I would say safeguarding is the gospel. Like the gospel is about God rescuing people. He's mm. come to save the lost. And there's, there's so much in the Bible about uh, God as a father and us as children of God. And that's, that's a power dynamic father child parent child so um it's very much uh a a part of the gospel and and if you think about the way jesus jesus related to to rich and poor so Mm. he he was very much not like you can't politicize that too much towards one political party or another he was he's for all people but if you think about the way he treated those who were very marginalized so lepers women the poor um very much people who didn't have any power in in their day and age and if we think about um the the power structures of the contemporary church so uh, speaking about our denomination the charismatic evangelical church uh, there are some very high profile names celebrities i'd say people that have a lot of power and voice uh, a lot of money actually a lot of mm. money and resource so ours is quite a wealthy denomination mm. in the church of england mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and from, from the accounts that we can hear of people who are giving testimony about their experiences of soul survivor and mike pillavarchi those are the people who are disempowered who don't really have a voice mm. um so what does that say about christian culture what is our outworking of of or you know what, what we've seen jesus do about empowering the disempowered how are we living that uh, what are the implications of that um 
Jesus didn't really care about his image, you know, like he didn't have a brand necessary that he was trying to protect and often was misunderstood, often was judged and mm. rejected. That was the 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 thing that was modelled to us so as churches, so individually but also corporately, what 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 does that mean for us? What a question. I, I think that's such a good point. Jesus didn't go around yeah, protecting his brand in, in terms of making sure that his image is, is good and that yeah, everyone can relate to what he's saying and that culture can accept him it was very much the opposite. It was it was very countercultural, right? Mm. And I and I feel as though yeah, like I said at the beginning, you know, social media and culture has made uh reputation such a massive thing. Mm. Right? And if it's now seen that the church, does that go against what the church was originally built for? So then my, my question then becomes, how can we be a church that doesn't necessarily care about their brand, but still holds true to their values? Mm-hmm. And it's not just what Jesus did. Like all through scripture, um, we see God's care for the vulnerable and the voiceless. So that there's always uh, care for the widows and orphans, for example, orphans, people that don't have parents, people who are fatherless. Um, and by, by the accounts that are there, obviously it still needs to be properly investigated so we don't know the, the full truth of it, but the, the men that were targeted were younger men, apparently from broken homes, vulnerable backgrounds, teenagers. Um, they've, they've mentioned that it's not a criminal investigation. Uh, we, we don't really know that because a lot of people who might have evidence that could turn it to a criminal investigation probably won't come forward mm-hmm. to the Church of England with such evidence. So um, we just don't know. So mm-hmm. obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm. I think I've got a view on the evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm owning that that's a view, and I might be wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in the absence of a better investigation and better data, I'm going by what is there. Yeah. yeah. But I'm also going by what what we've seen very sadly happen uh, with so many other uh, people who have had a you know a big fall from grace. This yeah. isn't an isolated scandal. There have been other things in other churches mm-hmm. uh, where we've seen uh, very powerful men mm-hmm. uh, kind of perpetrate quite quite serious abuses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and the contexts are always the same. They're very powerful, wealthy, bringing quite a lot of money for the church, mm. um, and their actions aren't questioned. So if I'm being cynical, if I think that that might be what's happening here um you know what what does that mean for the rest of us are we enabling a culture that allows this to happen um jesus is also really clear about the the consequences of that so um where where we you know we're we're children of god we we relate to him as our, our heavenly father but also he jesus said you know if anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble it's better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. So that's really, really harsh and really strong. But that shows how much God cares for yeah. the children. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The, the, there's always going to be God's God's care in in all of this, and I think that's quite comforting to know. Is that even though the trust in certain people may have been betrayed, one trust that will never be betrayed is our trust in God Mm. Um, and I think that's something that we should hold on to look we've clearly identified the wrong in all of this in terms of how it was handled in terms of the silence um, in terms of certain leaders not stepping up Um, how do you think that we can learn from this what are the learnings here 
what does the ideal situation look like in terms of how to handle an experience like this? Um, we need a better procedure to, to be followed. So even the thing about where he stepped down and then I believe it was a month or so later that he was suspended. What's, you know, what's going on there? First you step down, then you're suspended. Um, I believe it was because the Times ran a story about somebody in the church visiting him and there was a photo taken and I think that's where they realised, well, we're contaminating the evidence if he's allowed to talk with people. But if you're stepped down, you, you, I'm not sure what the technicalities are, but it's not quite the same as being suspended. If you're suspended, you have zero contact and... Um, it's a bit of a mess more than a bit of a mess it's like mm. it's chaos really you've got all this evidence that's been contaminated the whole time so i think the takeaway message is you need an external investigation and it, and it's likely that it will be non-christians yeah. carrying out the investigation which i don't mind I actually don't mind i just want i want some professionals i want something a bit more professional done about this mm -hmm. um i don't want some handmade DIY rubbish safeguarding. I think it's too serious. Yeah. It's 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 gone beyond that. These are quite serious allegations. So to be fair to everyone, really, we need to have it externally examined. Yeah, yeah. No. So I think that's the the kind of takeaway, really. And and also thinking about the culture that allows that to happen. So um, most of the high profile cases within church abuses tends to be men. Uh, so male leadership and what what sort of other dynamics around that so often in churches it can be quite a boys network at the top end of it and um, we men and women are different we bring different uh, things we have different features in our leadership mm. I, I think one real strength of men is uh, the way that that you know you men can have such strong friendships real um, real sharing real caring I think that's amazing but what does that mean across a leadership team would that mean a bit of self-preservation would it mean protecting people in a way that um means we're not transparent we're not honest and mm. and uh massive failures could be swept under the carpet mm. and and say if we had more mixed gender uh, leadership teams uh, we we would have we would have different voices in the room. We yeah. would have a different type of decision making. I think men and women working together could could make different decisions. Um, I think it's about kind of questioning as well. So the these sort of leadership patterns have taken place over many years. Um, not to be cynical, but I, I'm sure people did know about this. I think it's already been raised in one newspaper that that um, it was it was known. It was almost an open secret. Some of the things that were going on. Again, I don't know the full truth of it. I'm just saying what what evidence we have, and and these are eyewitness accounts. To be fair, they're people who worked in that church people who attended that church um yeah it's, yeah. it's, it's very important to obviously caveat all of this I, with, yes i am with, I, with, yeah. with if it is true i right? don't know exactly, i don't know i'm exactly. going by the data i have i would love it to be better data but i think you would need another uh, another party to carry out something thorough for better data yeah look it's, it's a very tricky one because, like like we both established, it's all allegations yes, yeah, th thus yes. far. Mm -hmm. Nothing has been proven and, and everything. So we we want to do this in the we want to have this conversation in the best possible way that puts honor at the forefront, right? We what we don't want to do is get carried away in, yeah, this is why the church is corrupt. Um, you know, 
based on things that we are not sure of. However, I do see your point though, because with what has been given, it's hard to have any other opinion, right? To my eye, it's credible evidence, but I acknowledge we haven't had a proper investigation and I could be wrong, I'm saying that. And it's interesting, the word honour, so who are we honouring? It's because some of the way that things have been carried out so far, it seems like we're honouring the people with the most power in the church. Are we honouring all the voices? Are we honouring the people who have said that they, they would want a, a thorough investigation not carried out by the Church of England. Do you think the way that this has handled has made you lose confidence in the Anglican leadership or the yeah, church leadership yeah, as a whole? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So I, I would say because of the the nature of Soul Survivor and, and the influence Mike Pilavachi has had, I think it's unlikely that people wouldn't have known... Um, across well probably I don't know how widely how widely it would have been known or how far the reach but there's friendships you see across the leadership there will be strong friendships strong connections so quite a lot of um, men in charge who have known each other for many years and are you expecting uh, people that are friends with him to come out and say something because I'm trying to put myself in a situation if my close friend mm. went through something that Mike went through I, I can't imagine myself you know openly making a comment I would very much keep stuff confidential until I have facts rather than allegations so from that side of things do you understand maybe yeah, yeah, why, why totally people have been quiet yeah I get it where are the facts though where are we going to find the facts then I, I, I totally get that I get that there has to be a process before we speak but um, th there is a, a history within the Church of England of not handling abuse well. And some of the, the reports, the inquiries after the event ha have been uh, the voices of, of survivors saying they, they've been unhappy with uh, the, the timeliness and the quality of the investigation. And it, it's too late. It's, it's too slow. Like if this happened 20 years ago, we, we need to step it up a bit, right? Um, it's 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 not okay to, to to delay in that way, and I, I appreciate like church culture um, is is slow. I you know I've been in church my whole life. I understand that. I don't think it's right, but but there there is a place for suddenlies. Um, there is a place for taking something seriously enough to escalate it in terms of speed. Yeah, Rosemary, what 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 are you looking for here? An external what? investigation. Is that is yeah, that is that yeah. what... I, that's what I'm working on. So I am talking with people and trying to get something changed yes that's that's my hope so you, what do you want changed i want this properly looked at okay i want to know i think we need to get to the heart of what has actually happened i don't think the church of england is the party to do the investigation hmm. so so similarly if it were say a hospital or a um i don't know any other setting where a safeguarding issue has broken out or or, or not even that say if you work somewhere where something's gone wrong and then you have to carry out an audit of that it's always someone from the outside of the department like that that principle that's what you want to see being done here like like okay so say say if i'm okay so like my nan really loves me and i love my nan say if i murdered someone my nan would not call the police yeah, sure. <laughs> do you know <laughs> she'd be like he deserved to die <laughs> do you know like it's the, it's the kind of like Snitches get stitches mentality. Do you know? Do you know what I'm trying to say? I don't think church should be any different. And in fact, church should be better. 
Yeah, because... Because of what we stand for, what we believe. We're, you know, we're, we're saying we're on the side of justice, aren't we? Or are we? I don't know if we are. Maybe we're not. Hmm. Yeah, I, I, I just think it's, it's good that we have these conversations. I, I personally don't have that, that much of a stance either way. However, I do know that this was massive news and, mm. you know, people didn't know how to talk about it. People, yes, yeah, true, People true. did not know how to truly say how, how they felt about it. So, look, I'm happy to be having this conversation. But what's interesting yeah. is uh, lots of churches, uh, so evangelical charismatic churches that are successful, they have massive social media platforms. So they are talking and they are talking to lots of people. Are they doing it in the right way, though? Well, what are they talking about? So, so, so for me, this represents the biggest safeguarding issue I've seen in my lifetime in the church, in my church, anyway, if we're not talking about the Catholic abuse scandal, which is in a different denomination. So uh, it, it's like, say, say an earthquake happened in my area and I didn't talk about it when I went to someplace else. And yeah, like, but like, imagine if your church caused that earthquake, right? It would be like, how do you then talk about that yeah. on, your, on your social media platform? It's, it's a hard one. But then what, what, what is it about us as Christians then? Like, do, do we not say we're sorry or do we not say when we got something wrong? What, what, what is it about our values then? I think that because it is still under investigation, it's hard to kind of say we're sorry without saying you're guilty almost. Maybe there is a, there is a guilt that can be saved by having the investigation being carried out fully. Yeah, but I don't believe that's happening. You don't believe that's and I happening. think a lot of people don't believe that's happening. You don't believe that, you you don't believe that, in, that there is an investigation happening. I, th- I think there's an investigation happening. I don't think it's being done properly. Surely you can't tell if it's been done properly until after it has been done. I don't think they'll be able to handle the evidence. I don't know how much is being covered. If if the Church of England have done something wrong and the Church of England are investigating that wrong, it doesn't make any sense to me. That's not impartial. Everyone knows who Mike Pilavachi is. So, There'll be a lot of bias for the people who uh, already know him, are friends with him, have have been in a church that's been influenced by him. That's assuming if the allegations turn out to be false, right? What if what if the investigation leads to the allegations turning out to be true? Yeah, yeah. Then, 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 does your yeah. opinion then change? I don't know. I don't know. This so is what I'm saying. I, we, I, think, we, I think this is I, why I we I just, need to... I, I guess I want the evidence to be handled well. I want it to not be contaminated. I want things not to be covered up. And I have no... I, I, I don't have the confidence that that is going which, to be Which I case. get. Which I yeah. get. I just think it would make more sense to have that full-on opinion when the investigation is done. Because, like you said, everything that you think it is... The the people investigating it could actually agree with you at the end of the investigation, and then you'd be like, okay, fair play, but it's only if it's not, then you then you would say, oh yeah, because it's biased. We need external. So, how would you feel if after the investigation, they conclude exactly what you think happened? Maybe, maybe, but let's see. Let's, let's see. see right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, no, no. There's, yeah. look, I don't, well, I don't know because we, but, don't, yeah, we yeah. don't know because I think they they made a thing about how it's not a criminal 
not a criminal investigation. So I, I think what they mean by that is about the age of consent, so where power abuses or whatever happened. Yeah, 18 to 21 was the it was Yeah, was so it wasn't age. about people under 16. No. Um, so I, I imagine if they had any evidence that it was involving someone under 16, that's when the police would get involved. They have to. Yeah. Well, you say that, but I don't know if they would or not, because the, there is a history uh, within the Church of England more widely of abuses that were disclosed and not followed through with police or social services. So I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm saying I don't know either way. Mm, 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 mm. Yeah. This is one of those where... I do believe in, in prayer, ha- trusting God that his justice will ultimately prevail. But then I also understand that we are to be a people of action. So then the question becomes, as the congregation, as people of God, as people seeking justice, who may not necessarily be in leadership, what type of action should we take? I think we do need to hold our leaders to account. I do think we need to not be um, so unquestioning of of people with power positions. So um, often within church culture, there can be like one or two people that have a massive platform and massive voice and we kind of listen to them quite unquestioningly. Um, there can often be sort of like a celebrity culture even within the Christian world which isn't really a a very godly way of handling people is it sort of giving some people so much prominence um I wonder also if we need to to have better financial accountability so something like Soul Survivor um some churches you know some of them they're they've got charity status but they operate as businesses essentially and I do think that that means kind of capitalist principles come into it so that they are going to protect the the money coming in um is there enough accountability for what's happening with the money Mm. um I do think that um once you've got people with more celebrity status or churches that have a particular brand that attracts uh, funding. Um, yeah, I mean, worship is a good example. There's a lot of kind of worship styles that have come into prominence in recent years. Those musicians are getting lots and lots of money. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that's a good or a bad thing. I'm just making an observation that I think once, uh, once the money is rolling in, there's a bit less accountability. Everyone assumes that success is, is godly in that, in that sense. Yeah, no. And then I think we don't necessarily ask the questions we should be asking around people's behaviours or lifestyle. Perhaps there's there's something in that yeah. about some people maybe being untouchable if we're thinking about uh, the way they treat people. So if we're thinking about power abuses in leadership. Yeah. I hear a lot of the time that we should hold our leadership accountable. I would say I hear it more times than I need to. And... I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm saying we've been saying it. And I think what we're not discussing is what that accountability looks like. Like, what is actually the process of being able to voice our opinion and that opinion be taken seriously? Mm. Because I think there's one thing your your leader of the church taking out for coffee to hear your concerns, but there's another thing actually seeing something being done about your concerns. Mm. So when it comes to accountability in terms of the leaders in the church, what does that look like? Mm, mm. 
and it's really tricky, isn't it? Because in church, we're, you know, quote unquote, a family, we're a community. And so we love each other. We like, you know, we like being together. And it is tricky to um, interrogate people when you've got that sort of friendliness between you. So it's, it's, it's different. It's a little bit like, um, you know, sometimes with work colleagues, you have a certain working relationship. But then if you become friends that has an impact on how you might work together. So I think that's challenging. Yeah. I don't think it's clear cut um, and, and it can sound like criticism. Well, it is criticism, isn't it? And so how do you how do you have those conversations? I can see why things get muted. They get silenced. You don't want to be the awkward person all the time. Exactly. Um, it's, it's not fun being the awkward person all the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun at all, it's is it? It's not fun. It's not it's quite lonely actually yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> no but <sighs> I, this is what i'm saying though i think we need to start creating these open and they probably look I'm, I'm probably going to get some flack for this because there probably is a space out there where people can voice their concerns i'm tired of being told that this is what i'm saying and and and, and this is why i, I do I, voice my concerns yeah. but i'm more of an action person i don't yeah. i don't want to just talk about something yeah yeah, and, and look, that, that's why I'm just thinking there should be a remodeling of creating that space to voice our concerns. And look, when we're saying voice our concerns, I'm not saying that the that every concern I have or every concern that is being talked about should be rectified there and then. Like, it, we also need to have faith in our leadership for them to have discernment in terms of what concerns need to be prioritized versus others that don't really need to be addressed in such a drastic way right so the i think it, it, it does come both ways right in terms of trusting your leadership to make the right decision upon which the concerns are being made out of so where do you think that line is and what what do you think that balance looks like between leadership not taking your concern seriously because some concerns don't need to be taken as seriously versus actually doing something about a very vivid concern or issue i'm not sure i i see leaders as very human i see how human everyone is it's, it's very different like say a hundred years ago before the internet before i guess people would have like a couple of generations ago people would have really held their priests and vicars in the place of god you know these are the people interpreting scripture for us these are the people mm. who are in that position of power and they would be really unquestioning but but you know what we, we we have the internet we can read for ourselves so sometimes when i'm hearing someone speak i, I don't think of it as the voice of god I, I see them as just a person uh speaking from their own experience um so I, I can see why we're all we're all broken people and can make mistakes. So do you think with, with that being said that you can give more grace towards your leaders when they maybe don't address a concern or they, or when they do make mistakes? Like, how much grace should we be giving our leaders? I, I don't have grace in a safeguarding area. I'll, I'll make that clear. I don't. I don't. I, I, I think safety is is more important than, than kind of the... 
I want to say almost like pseudo-Christian stance. I think there's a lot of talk about forgiveness and grace and all of that, which isn't always appropriate when we're talking about power abuses. Um, I would put safety first there and... I think that has to be the priority where you've seen things that have have gone very badly wrong. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, It's about kind of rectifying that immediately. It's about calling something out as as wrong. I see that as quite clear cut and black and white. And I don't think that's a very controversial thing. I feel like I'm like team basic Christian values here. I (laughs) I, I don't think it's okay for a man in his 40s to massage semi-naked teenage interns. I I just don't think that's okay. If that is the truth of what's happened, uh, obviously we're caveating everything. And some of the stories of the power abuses, the bullying, the gaslighting, the the, the dynamics uh, that that were existing in in a church, I don't think that's okay. Mm. I don't have grace for that. I'm, I'm sorry. I don't think that is about grace. I think that's about... Um, bringing bringing some truth in and some correction mm. and creating a healthy culture the, the other thing I would say also that um, I don't think church always gets gets right is uh, uh, the area of mental health so yeah. in mental health uh, the, so in, in the field of mental health we, we we address things differently and a bit more holistically I think it is still really really hard to have that conversation in a Christian context where people um, you know look on prayer ministry or um, Maybe they're always just wanting a Christian counsellor or some some other space to manage yeah. what I see as like quite serious dysfunction. So, so take Mike Pilavachi for example. I think he's on record as saying he came from quite a dysfunctional background, and often the patterns we see in childhood and early family um, living uh, get replayed in adulthood. So if he had quite a lot of dysfunction in his childhood, he'll be reenacting that in adulthood without yeah. the correct therapy or yeah. medication or yeah. support to. To, to redress that um so uh, as much as i love the testimonies of people who speak of how the, you know they had a car crash of a life and then they met god and everything was great I, I don't think it's always as black and white as that i think god can redeem and do such powerful things i believe in the power of the holy spirit but but i also think there's um there's a process there's a walking out uh, should we should we take some more responsibility for um the mental health status of people who work in the church um, I, I would say of, often there can be uh, people with mental health difficulties who attend church. Mm. Um, there's, there's a lot of depression and anxiety mm. around generally. Mm. There's also a lot of trauma around. Mm. So what does it look like when people who, who are afflicted in their mental health are, are in leadership positions? What, what dynamics do they create um, in teams? These are all good questions. One thing... Sorry, I've forgotten what your question was. No, I've, no, I've no, gone no, off that's, on that's, one. that's fine because... What I, did I, you say? I want to... I want to stay within this a little bit because you you mentioned a lot a lot of questions a lot of good questions as well. But do you think sometimes though we overcomplicating it? We are overcomplicating it by asking so many questions that that sometimes holds what actually needs to be done. Do you think sometimes? And I, I'm not saying that your questions are not should not uh, should not be taken seriously. What I am saying though is that sometimes we ask too many questions and 
maybe not do enough but are we only asking those questions because they are actually genuine concerns or are we just asking them for the sake of asking so the thing I'm, I just said about mental health that's me thinking out loud this okay. is this is me in the last two months trying to make sense sure. of, of the news reports around Mike Pilavachi and Soul Survivor so I'm trying to, to make sense of okay how did this happen uh, what do, what have I seen what, what, what explanations fit this um, so it's not that I'm asking those questions but I do think there is something about so certainly for, for me as a mental health professional I do see the way churches handle kind of conversation around mental health I don't I don't think it's always helpful I think it's quite uh, behind in terms of oh I'd say in the world it's also behind I think there's still so much stigma around mental health uh, but uh, but I, I think where um you know, at the start we were talking about like toxic positivity and this kind of keep a cheerful face on things. So yeah. where somebody yeah. might be depressed, um, uh, you, you might have someone who's kind of forced to overwork, who, who might cover up that things are actually not going so well. That that can be a sort of Christian culture thing. Yeah. Um, and, and not just a Christian culture thing. I think that happens outside as yeah. well. Yeah, and, yeah, 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 and if yeah. I think about male-female differences in terms of accessing interventions around mental health and... Um, where this is generalising, this isn't true at all, but uh, where where men might deal with that slightly differently. And if you think about um, church leadership, certainly the higher up, uh, highly paid positions uh, being taken up by men um, and the mental health status there, it's a difficult job running a church. Mm. So, you know, it's, it's 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 really demanding. I don't know. This is this is me speculating. This is me thinking out loud. I'm just thinking about things that are in the background. These aren't things that I would want to raise as questions. This this is just me talking kind of thinking and, no. and trying to make sense of it I guess that's that's where I'm at with it this is why I'm questioning the silence I feel like uh, as someone who um, has been a lifelong Christian I've, I've found all of this quite quite upsetting quite confusing quite shocking uh, quite anxiety provoking actually I worry it's the tip of an iceberg I wonder if there are more cases I wonder if more people would come forward if they knew that that uh, they could speak to someone who was impartial and uh, yeah. you know who knows what that would look like maybe it would look like chaos yeah. but maybe that's okay maybe as christians we're called to disrupt something um uh, when when there is a cover-up when there is a culture that isn't a kingdom culture mm, i think that's a good way to conclude it and i think that we do need to believe that the god of justice that we serve will prevail um but then also think about ourselves, like how, what does action actually look like? Yeah, yeah. So as so as much as we believe in a God of justice, God, our God of justice calls us to open our mouths. We're, we're to defend the rights of the poor and the needy and the voiceless. That That is being a Christian. Exactly, because I think sometimes people can hide under the cover of God will deal with this. And then they just remain silent, mm. which is that's not biblical. Um, so exactly what you said we need to start doing rather than just hoping mm. so I, I think yeah that's I think we have covered that, topic. that right? no 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 I think I think, I think, I, think oh. I was I think I was good I think it's always good to to be able to have that platform where you are yeah. able to openly discuss these things and I definitely believe that the more that we normalize these types of conversations the more that the church will actually feel that they have to kind of be accountable and yeah. And also be responsible for controlling the narrative to some degree and not allowing this to spiral that you have people talking about it left, right and centre. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. Are you OK? I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, you yeah, yeah, I'm all right. <laughs> Do you think we'll be cancelled? <laughs> I don't, I people don't. People will still want to talk to us. You know what? 
Who cares? Okay. Who all right. Cares? Okay. I, I actually don't care. <laughs> okay. Fine. Right. Fine. This me is, too. Me too. Me yeah, too. I, I don't. That's really, all right. Yeah. Me I don't really too. Mind too much. So, I'm fine. No, we'll be fine. And I think, we'll be fine. I think when I when I get you in for part three, who knows what else we'll talk about? Yeah. You know, part three. We'll are you, do a part are you ready? Three. Yeah. 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 If you like. Yeah. Yeah. yeah maybe I, there's there's yeah. There's, let's there's, see how what happens. There's definitely more things that yeah that for sure. Chelsea doesn't talk about that thing. Oh yeah. There's loads of stuff we can talk about there. Yeah. We haven't even covered like at the start. I said about relationships. I don't think church talks about relationships very well. Well, we can do another yeah yeah for sure yeah watch this space you're right <laughs> exactly watch this space but Rosemary thank you so much for, for hopping on and, and, and giving your articulated opinion uh, well articulated as well thank you for that thanks thanks for having me on thanks for hosting no worries at all it's been your boy Izzy and I'll catch you guys next week peace <laughs>